Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode here on Sticks and Bones with your ghost host, Chelsea and Ten. It is season three. We are back. Hi, Ten. How are you? I am good. I can't believe it's season three and just how far we've come as podcasters. Like, we're sitting here, we're in our own respective offices. And I remember, like, it was just yesterday that it was two scared women sitting at my island trying to talk about, you know, some fun, spooky things. <laughs> I know. I was really nervous starting the podcast today. I think because I realized it was our third year of podcasting. And I, so weird to think about, like, I didn't expect to be podcasting for three years. I kind of just thought I would do it for a year, see what happens. And now here we are. So we're back with season three. We're both super excited. Um, we have a lot of fun things planned for this year and this season. And I just, I can't wait. But anyway, how are you? Where have you been? What's been going on in your life? We took, we took a few weeks off. We did take a few weeks off. Uh, we missed everybody dearly. It was kind of weird not getting on a podcast and talking about the strange and unusual, like around like the time period where everybody is going to families, everybody wants to, you know, have like the craziest icebreaker with their relatives and everything. And it was, it was nice. It felt weird to take a break, but, um, I was lucky enough to be able to go home to California, uh, to see my parents and my sister and brother-in-law just kind of relaxed. And it was nice to not do anything, but it was weird at the same time, you know? Oh yeah. I agree with you. It takes me, anytime I go on vacation, it takes me three to five business days to like settle down. Um, so anytime I'm on vacation, I like to go for like seven to 10 days because I'm not kidding. Like the first three days I'm like work, I'm not working. And I'm like shaking and like, <laughs> like a weirdo. In the process of turning off work mode. Yeah. So I had a really relaxing vacation. And for those of you on Patreon, we're going to be talking about everything that we did over our winter break. Um, being a little more personal for January, talking about, you know, some new year's resolutions or intentions we have for this year. So if you're interested, don't forget to join our Patreon. Um, we have a lot of fun things coming up this month and one that heavily relates to the topic at hand today, um, <laughs> which I'll tell you about in a second, but yeah, we wanted to get back to our roots today and start off season three strong with talking about Hellenism, because who are we without talking about the Greek gods? You know what I mean? I mean, this, it kind of like went over our heads because I could have sworn like, and maybe it was a fever dream of like season one or season two, because so many seasons now that we had done an episode on this, but we were just like, nah, screw Hellenism 101. We're going right to the cult of Dionysus, man. <laughs> well, I think that that says a lot about who we are is like, I kind of forget that there is like a lot of people that don't really know what Hellenism is or where to start. I get a ton of questions about how do I start worshiping the Greek gods? Do you have any resources? Do you have any recommendations? How did you do it? And I think this is like the perfect episode for those of you that are very new, um, that want to learn and are interested, or maybe you're just listening. Cause you're like, what are the girls believing over there? What's going on? How do they practice in their own belief system and, and religious beliefs? Um, so I think this is like the perfect thing for those of you that are getting ready for the new year and you're like, I want to try something new. Yeah. Or you got a cool new hobby for your new year's resolution of like, yeah. man, I want to be reading some crazy ass mythology. Oh, I yeah. am going to be a history goyle because we're all girls here. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty much new year, same crones. <laughs> Oh yeah, for sure. And I've been getting so many questions lately about some of the basics of Hellenism and which is all well and fine, but it really was like, 
the reason why Ten and I wanted to start with this episode. So even if you are versatile in Hellenism, I always think it's always good to go back to like the foundational aspects and the basics of like, what is it? Where does that word even come from? How do you do it? Where do you recommend people start? And before we start today, I just want to say that anything around modernizing Hellenism that we say here today is how Ten and I are practicing and what we do. Um, remember with anything, you can always go as far into it as you want or not. Um, this is a very hard belief system to cover because as we get into it, not everything was like super state sanctioned and people were doing different things. We don't have everything um, written down. So we're reconstructing as we go as well. So this is how we do it. You don't have to do it this way. Yeah. I mean, the history is the history is going to be the same across the board, no matter yes. where you look, but the practice and that I think is really personal. Mm -hmm. And I, I find it so funny, not like funny, haha, but like funny. That's very interesting. Please tell me more. And, you know, as I teach ancient religions, practices, all of that in my course and ancient art history, I actually had a student last semester who was like, you know what? Like, this is so cool. Like I actually like leave offerings to Aphrodite. And she was telling me like a lot of other personal mm -hmm. stuff, but I was like, you know what? You can go as far or as like just leaving offerings to Aphrodite, like, hi, welcome. Let's talk about Aphrodite kind of deal. And it's up to you. Do you want to do full send? Do you want to, you know, live life a little bit more like the Vestal Virgins of ancient Rome? Like there is a whole spectrum. So wherever you fall, or if you just like ancient history and mythology, hi and welcome to season three. Welcome to season three. And I want to remind <laughs> you that this is an open belief system. Like anybody can leave an offering to the Greek gods. Maybe you decide that you just like Apollo and you're like, mm, I'm going to leave a little bit of offering for Apollo. Um, I will always say do things with respect. But with that, let's talk about Hellenism today. Ten, where do you want to start? I mean, I think we got to just kind of start off with the whole like word itself because yes. this word is used differently throughout history, time periods, practices, belief systems. So it is kind of a catch-all, but there's different categories and boxes that you can put it in as well. Right. So for example, um, Hellenism is a, it has to do with the polytheistic religion and practices of ancient Greece. Now, if we look at that word, you're like, hmm, this kind of sounds interesting. Hellenistic is also a time period. Mm -hmm. So think Alexander the Great, like 333 BCE. It's also a time period. It's also Hellas or Elles is going to be the Greek name of the area of Greece. The catch is, it's the modern name of all of Greece. If we are looking at the ancient meaning, it's going to sometimes refer to just the mainland of Greece. So like what is like the big country, not the islands. We're not including the Cycladic islands. We're not including Crete. And I know somebody out there is going to be like, well, Crete is a Cycladic island. Right you are. But for me specifically, Crete is the biggest Cycladic island. And I count it as its own entity because of the time period that I study. So for me, the Minoans are on Crete, the Cycladic peoples are on the islands, and the mainland has the Mycenaeans on Hellas, which is why in the Bronze Age chronology, we call it the Hellatic period because right. it's mainland Greece. But Hellas or Hellenes are the people of Greece. And that's also different because that can include countries and colonies that the Greek people started in Italy. 
and ancient Anatolia, which is modern day Turkey, areas in Egypt throughout the Levant. So Eastern Mediterranean, it also just includes people. So it's people, places, things at the same time. It's everything. It's everything. (laughs) It's a catch-all. But I do want to say like, it is a polytheistic belief system. Poly meaning many, theistic being belief. So multiple gods. So with that being said, while there are multiple gods and, you know, you got the Olympians, you got the Titans, you got basically kind of like elementals in a sense, everybody's going to know that, but everybody's going to be doing things a little bit differently, which so fascinating. So where do you want to go from there, Chelsea? (laughs) Um, Well, I think, you know, I want to once again reiterate for those of you that are new, maybe don't know what Hellenism is. It is a multi-god worship. So we don't worship one god here. Um, We kind of create our own pantheon of gods that we wish to worship based on you know, who you are, what you need in this world and where you're going. So everyone's worship is going to look different, extremely different from person to person. So the gods that I worship are going to be different in a sense than the gods that tend worship. And yes, we do have crossover because we are very chthonic heavy, um, which is King Hades, Queen Persephone, Hecate, Hermes, uh, certain aspects of Demeter, certain aspects of Dionysus, etc. But in our own worship, we do worship other gods that each other does not worship based on our own practice. So I just want to make that clear of like, not everyone's is going to look the same. Correct. Not everything is going to look the same. And I think it's, it's kind of leading me into my state versus non-state and what were people doing in this time period, um, in terms of worship. And it's going to depend on where you are. A hundred percent. It's going to depend on where you are. So everybody of course would have known that Zeus He's the king of the gods. He's the Mm -hmm. big G upstairs for the people of Greece, right? He resides on Mount Olympus. He comes down for his fun times and mythology, but outside (laughs) of that. That was such a nice way of saying it. He comes down for a fun time. And then along came Zeus. (laughs) (laughs) Just strutting down the street. To quote Disney's famous Hercules. But with this, it it's very interesting because while people were like, yes, Zeus, king of the gods, Hades, king of the underworld, Poseidon, king of the seas, wonderful. And they could trace lineages and it's, you know, the Greek kind of family tree or bush or a lot of knots going on in there. But with that being said, different areas are going to have different kind of chief gods, patron gods, in a sense. So while they understand Zeus is king of the gods, you know, let's take Athens, for example, the patron or patroness of Athens is going to be Athena. So a lot of people in Athens are going to be focusing a little bit more with Athena. Of course, they're not going to just discount everybody else, like be gone, other gods, only (laughs) Athena here. Right. Right. It's going to be a little bit more focused, but it's going to be, of course, heavy on Olympian gods as well. And when you get to smaller, more rural, recluse kind of towns, they could have just simple shrines that anybody could leave a worship to or votive to any god out there. Or it could be a certain aspect of that god. There is right. a uh, there is a site in ancient um, Anatolia, modern day Turkey, to Apollo Smintheus, which is Apollo the mouse catcher. And that is because they were worshiping him as you know, one who has ties to plagues and diseases. So it's going to be different than how he's viewed at Delphi, which is oracles and everything. So they knew who their gods were. They knew that they existed. 
but they had different ideas about how they were interacting with them in their own communities, mm-hmm. which is going to make people from one town, from town A, different from town B. And that's okay. And I think this is why this is so hard. Cause like I said, we get a lot of questions of like, how do you do it? Where do you start? And I'm like, where are you? <laughs> Who are you and what do you want? And what do you believe? You know what I mean? And it's, I think this is why this religion is a little bit and belief system is a little bit more difficult to uh, recreate because like Ten just said, people were doing things in, in state religion. And then when you go off to the rural areas, it's a little bit different, very different, vastly different. And we don't even have probably half the things people were doing because it just wasn't written down. Um, yeah. And not only like that, but when we talk about religion, like the modern definition is a particular system of faith or worship and the belief in and worship of a superhuman power or powers, especially a God or gods multiple. But this is a very modern take because for the ancients, especially if you're looking at ancient Greece, church, there was no separation of church and state. It was daily life that was so intertwined with the divine sphere and how the gods were interacting with their communities. What were you doing to maintain, you know, peace with them? Um, All of that kind of stuff. And what are people going to be doing for official and non-official practices? So with that being said, it's also seeming as Hellenism is kind of like a catch-all for this belief system but everybody is kind of doing their own section or their own chapter within the book of Hellenism. So I have a question. So you said official and non-official practices. And I know we've talked a little bit about state sanctioned um, versus not state sanctioned in previous episodes, especially when we talk about mystery cults, which by the way, I highly recommend you go back if you're new here to listen to the mystery cult episodes so you can get a broader idea of what we're talking about. But -hmm. what is an example of something that is state sanctioned in terms of Hellenism? State sanction is going to have anything that is going to be kind of like head priests in charge of doing things. So, for example, it could be certain holidays, certain festivals, anything that is kind of on like the festival like calendar. Yes. Quote unquote, it's not like the Julian calendar today, but it's going to be, you know, state sanctioned things of, hey, time to leave your offering for X God. Like Apollo. Uh, Yes. Some areas of Apollo are going to be state sanctioned now. When you get to the oracles at Delphi, those are not state sanctioned. They are well, hold on. official. Before we go there, so state sanctioned mean everybody needed to do that. Everybody be in Pietas, correct? Yes. And Pietas is going to be a little bit more in like the Roman sphere, but Pietas in the sense of like you are maintaining proper protocol, mm-hmm. uh, doing the correct things within your own domestic sphere, the state sphere. Are you leaving offerings? What are you doing? Do you have unatoned blood guilt? All of that kind of stuff. Are you clean? Right. In a sense. Get it. And then yes. non-official. So not state sanctioned would be something like a mystery cult. Yes. It's going to be a mystery cult in because it is supplemental to mm-hmm. state religion. Got it. So Everybody is going to, once again, know Zeus is the big G. But if you're like, you know what? This is great. I love leaving offerings, you know, when I need to do all my sacrifices. Great. But I want to be fulfilled in a way that my state religion is not scratching that itch, if you will. Mm -hmm. So if you're like, you know what? I'm a really big fan of Persephone, Demeter, um, Hades, that whole shebang, Eleusinian Mysteries. If you want 
to lessen that fear around death and dying and you want to have a form of salvation in your afterlife, that's also a huge driver is, well, what happens when I die? Well, I don't know. There's so many different beliefs, but I know if I join this mystery cult, I'm going to have salvation. Right. So it really depends on, you know, what mystery cult is going to speak to you. Do you fit those kind of Um, Do you tick all the boxes for being accepted? You know, some you have to have, you know, certain dietary restrictions, some like the cult of Mithras, you can only be a man. So it really just depends on the cult and what you need to do to join it. But they're non-official because the state and everything is not running it, but they're like, okay, great. You have a great time at those Eleusinian mysteries, but we'll see you next week for your offering. <laughs> yeah, and, we, and we've talked about this a lot on the podcast. And the reason why we're bringing this up is because I'm kind of going to move a little bit into, you know, how do you start in Hellenism? And once again, um, this is what Ten and I recommend. Everyone mm-hmm. is going to look different depending on who you're talking to. That's part of this belief system. Everyone worships differently. Uh, but there are things that we all do that kind of fit the same mold. And the reason why we talk about state versus non-state is because the way that we run our practices, we have in our head, what is state for us? So for me, state for me is I am a devotee to the Chthonic, high priestess to King Hades. Anything Chthonic related is first. Okay. Yeah. So Hecate's Depnon for me is always number one. I do it every month. We have multiple episodes on Hecate. If you need to refer back to that in my own head, I've like concocted alongside of, you know, my relationship with the gods. What is state versus what is not state? So offerings to the Chthonic for me need to be left at certain times of the month. According to a lunar calendar, that's how I do it. Non-state for me is my Italian folk practice, okay? Like, as long as they have their offerings, I could go ahead and do my folk practice. I can go ahead and do something else. Um, But that's how, like, I really recommend people look at it. Yes. Right? Like, you can kind of create in your own relationship with the gods what's state versus not state yes and i would also take into consideration what the ancients were viewing as state versus non-official so official of course would be what is you know kind of you know asked of you what do you need to do non-official would be what you are doing in your own household so like kind of like domestic stuff we talked Mm -hmm. about you know having a household altar um how the ancients had a house altar i believe it's in the animism episode but you know that's the domestic sphere so state can't have anything to do with that and a lot of people with their household shrines would have you know got gods in there it wasn't just the household gods it was other gods like vesta hestia venus mercury and with that being said, another aspect that is unofficial is going to be at times divination. That is technically unofficial to the ancients because the state does not have the finger in that pot and they right. can't well, control it. Didn't we say necromancians in general were really like unofficial, like performing necromancy and things like that? That's not state <clears throat> sanctioned. So if you are a person like me and 10 who dabbles in that sphere in that arena that is not a state sanctioned thing within Hellenism that's just kind of like hush hush wink wink Bob's your uncle kind of deal curse tablet to the underworld yes <laughs> unofficial but yes um <laughs> magic is very unofficial so this includes uh love curses um tabella de ficciones oracles unofficial anything that 
the state doesn't have their hand in is going to be unofficial. We see throughout history and time astrology being unofficial because it's dangerous. People are scared. It's magic. Yes. And therein lies the big thing. Magic to the ancients. They couldn't describe it for you. They could not give you the Merriam-Webster dictionary version of what that definition was. But they could point it out to you if they saw it. So with that being said, they thought that magic was unofficial or even sometimes outlawed because magic is dealing with kind of going against the norm to shift it into what you need. Sometimes it's, you know, using the gods for your own, you know, duties like in curse tablets, but that kind of just went against the normalcy of the time period, but everybody was doing it. Yes, I think that's that's a good thing to say because if you're new and you've probably heard of Hellenism, it could have come from like spiritual spaces where people are practicing magic. But it is important to note that not everybody is practicing magic and worshiping the Greek gods in these this time period. Like people are just worshiping because this is what they believed. They literally, this is how they interpret the seasons changing, things going on. This is why these myths were created. So we're honoring that in a sense. Um, because they obviously didn't have the science that we have today. So they're looking at this and they're literally, this is their belief. So not everyone's practicing magic. Um, I want to make that clear. You could just be someone who wants to worship the gods because you like this belief system. You like the multi-god worship polytheistic view of this, um, and how there is a lot of freedom in terms of Hellenism of like what you do, the gods that you choose to worship and kind of creating your own practice. Absolutely. That is so well said. And I think, I mean, you know, spoiler alert for what's coming in season three, we are going to be talking about the gray area and the crossover between magic and superstition in the ancient world, because what the ancients, some would define as magic, we would today define it as magic. They saw it as superstition. So we also have to kind of change your worldview on that because there's going to be so much gray and crossover that you almost have to not only reflect on the ancient texts and what people are doing from history, art, archaeology, but also kind of reflect within yourself and ask yourself, well, where do I kind of fall in this spectrum? Absolutely. Um, so moving on to like, where would you start? Um, yes. Okay. I'm interested so, in Hellenism, Chelsea. Where do I start? Okay. So my first thing is obviously with proper research, um, you always, before you, you dive into something, especially this old that is being reconstructed. Um, we don't have everything. You want to go back to like a lot of the ancient authors and mm-hmm. review the myths. Um, obviously the myths aren't everything. You also need to take a look at what's going on in the time period. A lot of our podcasts do cover a lot of the ancient authors. I know 10 references. Do you have a reference list by the way? Oh yeah. I can, I can rattle off a few. Um, yeah, rattle off a few while we're here. So because there's, uh, I know Chelsea is just going to come out and say this, but there are no holy books. Like there's no, there's no, like the Bible, there's nothing like that. No. So with that, you do kind of have to look at philosophers. You also have to look at authors as well. So we kind of, at some points think in time that there may have been a sacred text or a liturgy for, uh, mystery cults. There is reference to one for the cult of Mithras, but we just don't have anything to support that because remember it's hush hush. And if you broke secrecy in Athenian law, that was punishable by death. Right. Um, we do have Orphic hymns. So hymns to gods that you could say, so kind of like prayers in a sense, um, also has ties to the Orphic cult. Um, a lot of, you know, 
suggestions I would say comes from ancient authors such as Homer and Hesiod Mm -hmm. because Homer's Iliad and the Odyssey is almost you know it's talking about mythology it's talking about you know mythicizing history and it almost kind of can be like a creation story but you're learning about why things are the, the way that they are you're also learning about why are gods choosing certain mortal men to do their bidding and fighting um, I would also say the Homeric hymns, you know, the Homeric hymn to Demeter being a big one for your list. Um, Theogony, um, talking again about more kind of who's who in the Greek myth world. Um, also works and days by Herodotus and histories. Histories is also going to give a little bit more in depth again about who's who. It also will give you more kind of reasons why people are doing what they're doing. And if you want later ones, Ovid is a good one. But if you want to know where people were and what they were doing in that region, I would also recommend Strabo. He's a little later, but I highly recommend. Perfect. Thank you, Time, because we have this question <laughs> a lot. Um, we don't do bibliographies or references here. Uh, I'm also going to put us down as like a good resource for uh, <laughs> Hellenism because we do kind of, if you're a person that has a hard time, like, studying certain things like sometimes listening to people podcasts can be really helpful so we are covering a lot of these topics over the next few seasons and episodes here at the podcast we've done a lot already around the chthonic um we are going to continue to talk about little different aspects within this belief system um one thing i really want to cover is the concept of being like a host of a household and zenia and keeping the home and hearth um maybe we'll do that well, spoiler alert, our new um, product launch coming out, it'll be out already, is focused on the home and hearth, which is super important. Yes. Um, so yeah, anyway, I just yes. got so sidetracked. Okay, another <laughs> thing I would say is too, after you've done your research, so make sure you are reading, you are understanding the myths. Do you resonate with this? Is this something that you like? Then I would start with what gods are applicable to you? Yeah. Okay. So like, for example, I'm going to take someone that is a nurse. If you're a nurse, like for me, one of the gods I probably would look into is Apollo or Asclepius. Those are the two I would think about. If I am a woman who is married, I would probably look into Hera, Aphrodite, um, Persephone, right. To rule over marriages. So look at what they rule over and then decide, you know, is this something that is applicable to me? Mm Mm-hmm right? Because you can leave offerings out of respect. That's what we do first, but you also can ask for things and petition. Um, but we don't just like petition 24 seven. That's not what we do. We leave offerings because these are our gods and we love and respect them. And we very much understand that they exist. So offerings is a huge part of this. If you're not comfortable with offerings, then I don't suggest this, this be the belief system for you. Correct. And I mean, I mean, the ancients, I, we've gone over like how little or how little or how big of an offering you can give. It's, it's kind of, you know, very similar to, you know, Christianity. I know a lot of people come from Christianity or Catholicism. So, you know, leaving offerings is, you know, kind of on par with that, but it can be little bits of sustenance. It could be a whole ass temple if you could afford that back in the day, but it doesn't mean that if I gave only a few stalks of grain to Demeter and Zeus to thank them for a bountiful harvest this year, that if Chelsea gave a whole temple, her petition, her offering doesn't mean necessarily that hers would be taken higher than mine. 
It does not matter what you give at the end of the day. Gods can answer. Gods don't have to. They will take their offerings and say, um, num, num, thank you so much. Yeah. So that's another thing. Good point that we understand here is that we can leave the most perfect offering, the perfect offering you might've been crafting for months or something that you've, you've made with love. And we understand that they don't have to answer us. So we leave offerings for respect. Um, yes, there are times when like you can petition them when you need certain things, that's what they're there for as well. Mm -hmm. But respecting is like the first and foremost. Uh, it's not always like, what do I get out of this? Someone asked me, what do you get out of this? I'm like, well, it's my belief system. It's what I believe. It's, I admire these gods a lot and respect and love them. And I leave offerings based out of respect. Of course, there are times where we have to leave petitions because we need things and that's fine. But I always recommend establishing that relationship first and not just starting with, I need this. You know what I mean? Correct. A lot of the times, especially like in the domestic um, cult, if you will, it's going to be, you know, leaving offerings to the house spirits, to Hestia for home and hearth and just being, you know, like, thank you so much. Here's like extra food, olive oil, wine, libations, anything like that. Or then you get into the aspect of votas of if you heal me, I will leave this, or I have left this for you. Could you possibly help me in this regard? If not, that's okay. You still have are awesome for lack of a better word. Here's my clay votive of my hand kind of deal. Right. Right. And that's kind of like religion across the board when you think about it. And I know uh, we are going to make a comparison, Christianity versus Hellenism, right? It's it's really not that different aside from the monotheistic view in Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one God, right? Yes. Uh, it uh, also depends because if you enter into Catholicism, you have saints. So people are asking saints for things versus God, just, just straight mm-hmm. up big G. But that, that's really where I would start in Hellenism. I also recommend talking to people who know what they're doing and are a part of this and believe this. This is their belief system. Okay, people that are in it, people that are giving factually correct sources, um, talking about it in the right way with respect and love. I, I think the best way to know something is by knowing the people that follow it. Do I see myself here? Is this something that I want to do? Um you know, what really goes into it? Because like I said, a lot of us are reconstructing and making it work for our specific areas of life. Um, mm-hmm. There's not one thing across the board that, you know, we're all sort of following this, the same exact thing to a T. Absolutely. And I mean, even for like research purposes, different scholars are also going to be hyper fixating on different aspects. So somebody might be focusing on kind of like the cultic practices of Artemis and what young girls would be doing with her versus what is somebody doing at the mystery cult of Eleusis versus, you know, how are people viewing warriors and warriorhood because of, you know, Homer and the Iliad and the Odyssey. So looking at kind of which aspect you want to focus on and then building it from there. Yes, absolutely. And you can even take like, say you really love like a certain myth, say you love the um, hymn to Demeter. Uh, I highly recommend worshiping Hades, Persephone, Demeter and Hecate. If that's like what you're centering your practice around is this hymn to Demeter and you really love this story. And this is Mm -hmm. what you believe and you resonate with. You can also take that approach as well. You know, like I highly recommending connecting gods with the myths that they are associated with. Um, So when I worship King Hades and Queen Persephone, I never forget Hecate. And if I'm heavily worshiping Queen Persephone, I never forget Demeter. That is very important. So knowing the Uh myths inside and out and how everybody's interconnected, right? Like you're not gonna, 
we've said this, take Hades, for example, King Hades. I wouldn't personally approach King Hades. I would go to Queen Persephone first so she can ask him on your behalf. But you have to understand the time period, the way the myth is written to understand that and read some of the petitions that people have sent to the underworld. Some of the petitions, some of the cursed tablets, or even, um, who's it, Pinder, uh, who writes that it is the house of Persephone within Hades. And it's like, okay, well, why is that? So understanding, you know, the patriarchal society of ancient Greece, but, you know, why would people have gone about the the way things are going? And, you know, it is to reconstruct, is to look at literature. You know, we're lucky enough with ancient Greece to have it. Uh, Bronze Age, not so much, but with text, you have to, you know, it's like 10th grade English again with your annotations. You have to kind of take it as you will because it's meant to be interpreted multiple different ways. It's right. meant to be interpreted in a humanistic kind of point because it was written by man. So it was like, well, these gods are going to have flaws and they're going to be rambunctious and they're going to, you know, go through emotions and cause chaos in their own right and do X, Y, and Z. Why? Because that's what humans also do. Yes. And the reflection of their own world. I think that's what I love most about this is that the gods are also flawed, extremely flawed. When you read Greek mythology, like they really do some things and you're like, wow, (laughs) wow. But it's like based on a range of emotions. And it's like, I don't really, I don't know. They're just written in such a way. And I think that's why people love reading Greek mythology or being enthusiasts of it because we can relate as human beings to them as they can in their own way relate to us. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah. I, I think that's like one of my favorite parts about it is just like they also are really flawed in their own way, even though they are gods. They are. And I mean, think about it today. I mean, in the article that I just finished, I was like, you know, like we're still talking about the myths of Homer from the Iliad and what were these warriors doing? We're still talking about that today, much as the people of Homer's time period were talking about generations of the Bronze Age before them, like we're just keeping the stories going and storytelling is just an art on its own and is utterly beautiful to see how people were interacting with their world, how it was interacting back with them and how they made sense of everything. No, you're so right. I thought about that last night. Sometimes I have like these late night thoughts and I'm like, oh my God, like even just like some stores that you just go by, they're just named after Greek myths. Like I passed something and it was like Apollo Greek tile. And I'm like, you named that after the God Apollo. You know what I mean? Like what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) Like you just think of these things, like some of these big companies name themselves after certain aspects of Greek myth. I mean, Aphrodite, come on. She just like, everyone knows who Aphrodite is. She's in multiple songs, like pop culture songs. I was listening to one the other day and they mentioned Aphrodite in it. And I'm like, these myths just tend to like transcend time and it's just crazy. It's crazy. But also yes. understand another thing I just want to say before we're like, where do you get started? Yes. Retellings of myths. Okay. A lot of people <laughs> like to recommend to me, oh, people should read like Laura Olympus. No, no, that's not a good depiction of Greek mythology. It is a retelling. So yeah. please be aware of like, if you are going to other sources to read Greek mythology, that is not the actual myth. And that's not what the ancient peoples were going by. And that's not how we interpret it in this belief system. So retellings are okay. If you're going to be an enthusiast and just understand it's a retelling, but I don't look at Laura Olympus and go, this is an accurate depiction correct, of what's going on. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty in retellings is as long as you know, like Song of Achilles, Chelsea and I both read it last year and bawled our eyes out. 
do we understand that it was a great book? Yes. Do I understand why it won a lot of awards? Yes. Do I also know the real myth about Achilles and that I understand that he also committed war crimes out the wazoo? Also, yes. Both can exist and it is okay to enjoy them. Highly recommend, right? They win awards for purposes, but understand it's not... It's the, it's the fiction version of if the myth is like the standards, like the nonfiction version, but it just understand like, Hey, this is a great retelling. Hey, this is a great way to modernize it, but not the same, not the same. <laughs> no, I also recommend to, um, obviously I recommended us, you know, 10 has her PhD in archeology. span I do a lot of um, high priestess work on behalf of the Chthonic. So we are a good source, but I also recommend um, researching other historians and archeologists that are talking about. Uh, the mm -hmm. specific time period to get a snapshot into how people are living day to day. Because like we said before, uh, this belief system does really intertwine with your day to day, depending on how far you go into this. Mm -hmm. So there are some things that we do uphold to our day to day that we have to do because it's based on our belief system and the tradition. So um, understand how far you want to go, how far you don't want to go. You might take a, a little dip in the, the, shallow side of the pool and then find yourself in the deep end like us where we're just like this is this runs my life <laughs> <laughs> um i started with like a little tiptoe in the pool i i started worshiping hermes first um and now i'm like full send into the deep end with no swimmies <laughs> i mean absolutely like you can do just a little you can do a whole send and yeah i mean it, when you're in like the domestic sphere it's just kind of everyday life like it's it doesn't even like to me it doesn't even fit like religion anymore it's just life day-to-day yes. -day activity it it's just it is part of life now yes it did feel like um at first it was uh kind of like something that i had to do every day but now it's just part of my life like being the host in my house and keeping my house a certain way because mm -hmm. you know the house of persephone aspect that i really really do try to embody um so it will evolve as you evolve but that's just where we recommend on starting um please make sure you're listening to historians archaeologists and scholars they're the ones that are going to have the correct information on that certain time period um and yeah that's that's really yeah. all i want to say about that yeah and just kind of like a little like ps on that is when you're following historians archaeologists scholars anything like that they're going to be basing a lot of the research in a certain kind of uh theoretical approach so for myself i am very much an empiricist um i'll take a semiotic and formalistic approach so i'm looking at signs symbols what are they meaning in that context but i'm also looking at evidence as a whole across the board and i'm not just going to cherry pick certain things so when you are looking at different scholars across the board is somebody taking a feminist approach is somebody taking a um, post-processual approach, which is, this is a cup to me, but was it a cup to the ancients kind of deal? It's a cup, not a cup kind of deal. But it's also good to look at that to see how they are viewing the evidence that they're looking at, because they might interpret it one way, and the same cup that we're looking at, I might interpret it a different way. So just be also very cautious of that as well. And yes. if you like how one person views it, awesome that's why there's so many scholars out there that's why we each have our own viewpoints yes um okay i think before we wrap up today i do kind of want to go tit for tat on christianity hellenism similarities differences because i find quite often than not 
a lot of people like to put a separation between everybody, but I do think there's more similarities than differences in a lot of religious belief systems and belief systems in general. Um, so I kind of want to like match up and see, you know, what are the differences? Because a lot of people come from Abrahamic, Abrahamic religion and yes. come to these older ancient belief systems because they want a polytheistic view. They don't like the monotheism approach. Mm -hmm. um, it's not working for them. And that's great. That's why, you know, you can practice other religions and at least in America and do what you want. Yeah. And I think there's like a lot of um, misinterpretation on, you know, here's why I'm leaving. I understand. I also left the church, but there's kind of a difference of here's why I'm leaving because, you know, I just, I don't agree with it. These stories don't slap, you know, I don't need to be part of this book club every week kind of deal, but a lot of people online stories don't slap. I'm, <laughs> I'm just thinking of Zeus coming down from Mount Olympus. Like, Hey, like, I'm sorry. I've, I've read, what is it like the the nativity scene. I don't need it from the dove's point of view. I don't need a different perspective. We we've all heard it. I can, I can regurgitate it. Like I'm doing like the airplane kind of safety talk of like your exits are here, here and here. But with that being said, a lot of people hold a lot of anger towards the church. I get that. Chelsea and I both understand that, but to go out and say like, well, this is so different and blah, blah, blah. There's actually a lot of similarities again, because religious syncretism. So a lot of things are going to be absorbed and taken into it, but we can see that a lot of things are actually quite the same. Yes. Where do you want to start? So I think first part, you do Hellenism, I'll do Christianity. Sold. Obviously. So with Christianity, we have a monotheistic view. Okay. Yes. So God is the only God in this religion. Now, Mary, the Holy Spirit, saints, There's caveats, are, yeah, are not considered gods. They are considered divine. Um, mm -hmm. There actually is a lot of beef within Christianity itself. Of it is demonic for people to even be calling upon saints. I'm ca I'm I come from Catholicism, so like saints. This is why I like the polytheistic view because I love petitioning saints. saints. You know, my first thing is not to go to God because he's so busy. He's got so much going on. I'm going to go to somebody else. going to do a workaround. Saints have different things that they rule over. Um, there's also a patron saint. So it's very similar to Hellenism in my mind. That's why I'm like, I can get on board with this because I was already doing it, you know? Correct. And of course with underneath the umbrella of Christianity, I mean, you've got the different sects being like, well, you know, I was talking to my father about this a few months ago. It was like, well, my mom is Catholic. My dad's Presbyterian and Catholics go saints go presbyterians don't necessarily they're like yeah saints go to sainthood and everything like they did the good work good job but they won't petition them they're like no my dad's like no i go to jesus or i go to god like those are my those are my guys and my mom's like oh well what about mary and like all these saints and like archangels and he's like no so even in different sects you have different opinions also is the trinity one is the trinity three who's to say <laughs> Absolutely. And like one thing that my family always says, uh, I find Italians, Italian Catholics specifically tend to worship and venerate Mary heavy and mm -hmm. La Madonna, different aspect of Mary, part of folk practice, not the same thing as a religion. So we talked about that on Patreon. Um, they always say, if you want something done, you're going to ask a woman. So they always go to Mary. <laughs> they always go to Mary. But that's just like a certain different belief. But anyway, so you have the monotheism in Christianity, technically. Technically, yes. <laughs> Technically, 
uh, Hellenism, any other sort of, you know, belief system underneath like the pagan umbrella is going to be a little bit more polytheistic. There are going to be, you know, times in history where there's going to be um, exceptions to that rule. Ancient Egypt has one where they actually had monotheism for a while. Um, but for the most part, it's going to be polytheistic, multiple gods, multiple divinities who you're going to be asking for certain things. Next is praying. Mm-hmm. I don't think people realize there's praying in Hellenism. Yes, there are prayers in Hellenism. Praying is a huge part of Christianity. It's why people go to church every Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. That's why there's a whole Bible. We all know the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father. Um, Hail Mary. <laughs> I, oh my God, I was missing one. The Hail Mary. <laughs> You know, the big three, um, the one, uh, the act of contrition, the one that I can never remember. I never really fully learned it. What is the act of contrition? Oh my God. It's so long. I remember being in catechism and we had a test on it and I almost failed because it's just like a very long prayer, but you should know it. I don't, I don't know, but praying is huge in Christianity. So that's how, that's a petition. That's praying. Help me, Mary, help me. Um, leaving an offering is praying, right? You're praying to these gods and acknowledging their existence and things like that. Rosaries. Oh yeah. Rosaries are a big part of, uh, like Catholicism. And I find it so interesting how like it's trickled down into like some pagan spheres. Cause I'm like, that comes from Christianity, the rosary praying on the rosary. Yeah. I, to my knowledge, uh, granted, I don't know everything archeological finding wise. I don't know of any quote unquote rosary that would belong to a non-Christian or a Catholic or Abrahamic religion. Yeah. I think it's a, a modern, a modern thing, but, Mm -hmm. um, in my personal approach, I would not recommend mixing, um, especially the history of Christianity and how it's really come about. I don't recommend, and this is me saying this, this is not coming from like a scholarly source. You mix things with paganism like that, just because it can be considered offensive sometimes because it is Christianity. (laughs) Correct. Some people say don't mix. And then, you know, we do have examples of, of ancients mixing. So you have to also be, what are you comfortable with at the end of the day? Yes. Um, and of course there's prayers to, you know, ancient gods, um, there's Orphic hymns, which, you know, people could say, um, a lot of it with, um, like cultic worship and everything was going to have a lot of singing. So kind of like choirs, chorus, um, of course, a lot of this, we just don't have surviving, um, just because the environment that it was in is a little bit, it's a lot more wet than Egypt, which has the perfect conditions for archaeology. Um, but we're missing so much, but yes, they would have done prayers, left offerings, all of that kind of stuff, you know, said, thank you so much. Here you go. Kind of deal. Sacraments. I know that's, um, baptism, things like that. Now I know it's going to be a little bit different mm. for Hellenism. Okay. Um, I'm really coming at this. I'm trying to keep it just with Christianity, but even like Catholicism, which is like a certain sect of it. It's like, there are sacraments. We talked about it. Um, is there any sort of initiations that you need? Uh, only for mystery cults. Um, so if you were going to be, of course, we talked about in the cult of ISIS episode, they actually called one of their initiations baptism. And this of course was during the Roman period. Um, there was going to be a cleansing, um, Right before you were initiated into the Lucidian Mysteries, there's different levels of initiations within the cult of Isis within there's two in the Lucidian Mysteries and there's seven levels of initiation within the cult of Mithras. Love that. 
offerings. So it's more unofficial initiations yes. or sacraments, if you will. Um, but yes, there are some. Um, holy or sacred days. Oh, there's a ton. I mean, there's a ton in, in Christianity. I mean, you have the, uh, the epiphany, you have Christmas, you have Easter, you have all of these things. And then, like I said, when I'm coming from a Catholic background, you have Saint feast days, like Michael, Saint Michael has a ton of feast days. I think he is like two or three during the year, depending on the region of the world. Um, <laughs> so it depends on what part you're coming from, but yes, there's a lot of holy days. Christmas is the big one in Easter that yeah, we all, we all celebrate. <laughs> What about there was there was a comedian, I'm sorry, who was like, you know, for like Catholics and Christians, like our religion is basically the birth of Jesus and then Easter and Good Friday, which is where's Jesus? There he is. <laughs> you like, sent that to me. I saw that. It's like, where is he? Oh, there he is. He was hiding. <laughs> he was hiding. It's like it's the hide and seek of Jesus is Christianity. <laughs> um, are there any holy days? So there's going to be some holy days, um, festival wise for of course, mystery cults. So unofficial, um, there's also going to be an official kind of calendar for feasts, um, where you should be going for certain, you know, temple days, um, you know, taking it outside of, uh, Greece for a hot sec, you know, in Rome, we have the parentalia, the Lemuria, the matronalia, like Saturnalia, like we have so many different things that are going on that are going to be kind of on like the like official calendar for like feast days, Olympic games are held every so often for different gods at certain sites. So we do have some holy and sacred days as well. Um, an unofficial sacred day, of course, is going to be the God's birthday and Depnon. Shout out Depnon. If you've been here a long time, Depnon, Depnon. <laughs> I state sanctioned that in my practice where I'm like, Hikol, te, Hikol, I'm, actually, I'm sorry. I'll recorrect myself. Hikate state sanctioned that. In my um, um, but I find it funny because it wasn't something that was state sanctioned and now it is state sanctioned for me. So I'm like, okay. We know. talked about, we talked about feasts, um, dietary restrictions. Yes. So it depends. Um, if you're following the Bible, there are certain dietary restrictions in the Bible, I guess. Oh, I yeah, think there's a lot. There's a lot. Um, see with, with Christianity, it's easier because you do have a book. Yeah. Uh, it does have a, a quite, quite a, quite a bit of mistranslations. And I don't, I don't agree with some of the things in the book. Um, <laughs> and you can take it and interpret it in many different ways. There's no one right way in my opinion, but you do have the 10 commandments and there are, um, restrictions for sure. For sure. I mean, look at Lent, right? You can only eat fish yes. on Fridays. Yes. Um, and you have to give up something for Lent. Um, I believe shellfish. I can't, I believe you shouldn't be eating shellfish. Uh, there's, there's, listen, I'm not very versatile in the Bible. Like I should be, but there's a lot of restrictions in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> there, there could be restrictions, uh, unofficial restrictions for, uh, mystery cults. We do have evidence of some being vegetarian. Um, some you could not eat, you know, certain animals, uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah. In Hellenism, because I, um, I'm an initiated high priestess. I have my own certain set of restrictions and I yes. will direct people back to the high priestess miasma episode where I do talk about it, but being vegetarian is actually something that is imposed upon me. So yeah. Also like dietary restrictions, not like what you like, if you're like vegetarian, pescatarian, uh, vegan, anything like that. But I would even say that a quote unquote dietary restriction is if you are having a sacrifice of an animal and you are having like a communal feast from that sacrifice, there are certain cuts of the meat from the animal that go to the gods. And there are certain cuts of the animal that go to the people. 
So I would also kind of say that that is a dietary restriction in a sense, just knowing your cuts of meat. Um, of course, yeah, rules. Rule so we got the, we got the uh, 10 commandments for you. <laughs> tons of rules. Uh, once again, depending on the sect of Christianity you follow, uh, tons of rules, uh, magic's not quote unquote, really allowed in, in this religion or belief system. The Vatican is not going to approve sorcery. Um, <laughs> you know, they're now we, they were crossing into like folk practice, right? Like yeah. that's a whole different story. Um, but technically magic, if you ask La Popa is going to tell you, nay, nay, no. <laughs> nay, nay. Now I disagree. This is where I, I have a high, big time disagreement with the church, but that's fine. Um, let me ask you this. Is magic allowed in Hellenism? I know it's a tough question. It's, oh gosh, not, not allowed. But it's not officially approved. It's not approved. And like people are going to like furrow their brows and like go shake their finger and go no. But they're also doing it at the same time. So it's like. That's it's how tough. I feel about the church when we talked about Aqua Tafana and they said, how dare you poison people? Yet they also were doing it as well. Or in, uh, you know, the Old Testament, it says don't do necromancy. But, you know, you get the whole story of Jesus raising Lazarus. But, you know, whatever. Um, so it's like mm, magic is so like wagging your figure. No, don't do it. But also like we are doing it at the same time. So it's hard to kind of answer that because one Joe Schmo in 300 BCE might have a different opinion than somebody who was living in 100 BCE. Like we're going to have different opinions at different times. Now I wanted to bring this up because like I said, people associate magic with Hellenism because we do have evidence of it happening. Obviously we have books that talks about sorcery, stories of sorcery, especially with Cersei. Um, it doesn't mean everybody was doing it. And yes, like you just said, it's kind of like people wagging their finger like, how dare you? But then they're going to the necromancia the next day to raise the dead or something. How dare you? But that is a great idea. Write that down. <laughs> Write that down. I need that cursed tablet. So interesting. Another question for you. Is there anything that's considered quote unquote blasphemy or sinful? Blasphemy. <laughs> um, I mean, there were certain rules of like what was like blasphemous of like there were certain things of like no don't do this and it's because of like certain myths so you know um killing your father killing your mother killing the king killing siblings um you know there are there are myths about that um there's also you know punishments for like incest but also like certain things there is a story with Adonis about like incest because certain things happen. I'm not going to spoil that myth, but you know, so in mythology, it's like, there are certain things that people do that are bad that like, that is the lesson from the myth of, um, oh, you offended a certain God. Well, now you have to unalive your children or, um, a God has a trifle with a certain demigod. Oh, you have to unalive your whole family. Like there's going to be certain things, but is it blasphemous? Yes, but there's a lesson behind that in the myth of why. Right. I always think of Ivigenia and Agamemnon. Agamemnon. I can never say his name. Agamemnon. Agamemnon. See? I can never Aga. Memnon. Non. Agamemnon. See? It just went right out of my brain. 
Um, I'm always like that one guy. <laughs> that one guy. <laughs> that freaking one guy. <laughs> I mean, look at Oedipus. I mean, just look at Oedipus. Look at Hercules. Look at. So I was talking much. to somebody the other day that obviously is not part of um, Hellenism and they had been watching like Disney's Hercules and they were like, oh, I just love this myth. I'm like, you know, that's not actually the myth, right? I will tell you the real myth right now if you want your whole life to be ruined. If you want to keep preserve this perfect picture of Hercules and Zeus and Hera being like, this is my son. I <laughs> love tell you the baby boy. <laughs> but that's a, that's a tragic myth. And I so I told the person the myth and they were like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, we could also look at like Theseus and the Minotaur, like shit. How did the Minotaur half man, half bull come about? Like, think about that for a hot second. You know, things get a little tricky. <laughs> things get a little strange over in the Greek world, Greek myths. Um, okay, but blasphemy for Christianity, yes, there's a lot of things that are considered <laughs> blasphemous, depending on how far you practice or how traditional you are. Um, once again, it's like, what about you believe? Um, the Ten Commandments, not following the Ten Commandments, a uh, ton of things that the church would probably consider sinful. Um, we're born with sin until you get baptized, and mm -hmm. that's just being sin in itself. So, yeah, I would also say, like, quote unquote, like blasphemous or like bad, like things you weren't supposed to do, um, like desecrate a temple, um, you know, uh, cannibalism. Like, there's so many different things. Like, there's different points of view on human sacrifice. Uh, but it's also like you have to take your bias out of it of 2023, what's going on and like what's going on in like uh 1500 bce and like what was going on in that time period but what else like it's so um, funny because my family's catholic and they do not believe in sin at all like they're just like there's no way they have a very strange approach to religion but so i'm saying everyone's very different they are like uh -huh. as long as you're a good person yeah like sin like sin to me the way i grew up was like you're a serial killer that's sinful uh you are a person that does very terrible things in this world and you will be punished, but not because you ate shellfish or you ate red meat on Friday when you were supposed to give it up during Lent. I like some people will say yeah. that's extremely sinful and that's fine. That's their belief, but I didn't touch away. You touched a football. So that is a uh, pigskin. You can't do that. Yes. You can't work on the Sabbath. Um, yeah. Kind of stuff. Uh, but I mean, other things that like everyday kind of stuff, I mean, you kill somebody. Yeah. That's, that's not, not good in the ancient world. Um, yeah. Desecrating a temple, a sacred site, anything. Um, of course, if you, um, desecrate or go against, uh, let's say like a quote unquote curse that is on like a resting place, like a cemetery or a tomb or, you know, a sarcophagus, anything like that, that it's also kind of like not good. But, like, right. there's no, like, sin of, like, oh, you did something bad. Say this prayer to Zeus ten times like you do in the Catholic Church with, like, oh, you did this. Uh, say Hail Mary five times. It's not the same like that. And then if we look into, like, quote, unquote, sin of, like, uncleanliness, then you get into, like, the aspect of miasma, which I highly recommend people go back to uh, the episode on miasma and high priestesses for that one. Yeah, kind of work backwards. I know maybe we should have probably started with this episode. When we started this <laughs> We're, like... Hellenism 101 after we had talked about like 15 mystery cults and so many Greek gods. And we're like, oh, by the way, y'all don't know what this is. Hold on. <laughs> I just didn't Crazy realize. tablets. <laughs> I just didn't realize like how much it was needed or how like necessary it was until like I started getting these questions. And I was like, oh, yeah, maybe 
Maybe we should do an episode on this, but is there anything else you wanted to cover between Hellenism and Christianity? I might be missing something. I I don't know. That's everything that I have that are kind of like the big kind of like spotlight ones that I can see like easy kind of like parallels being made. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's it. Like I said, uh, we, we gave you a good few places to start, a good few authors to start with, um, studying, you know, what's going on in the time, extremely important, but yeah, we just wanted to give you guys something like as a, a jumping point. I know it's the new year. A lot of you are probably getting back into, um, life, trying to figure out where you want to go, trying to learn something new, or maybe you're just an enthusiast of other religions and you were interested in this one. So I think this should clear up a lot of, uh, misinformation and hopefully like send you on the right path. Um, that's what this, this January is all about is getting back on track. So getting back on track, finding out what you like, what you dislike, you know, um, you know, do you like Disney's Hercules? And like, do you really want to know what the actual story is? Like, cause I mean, Disney's restore Disney's Hercules is a retelling. So like, that's also great. Do I enjoy Hercules as well? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, I love Hercules. It's one of, it's actually, I think one of my favorite Disney movies. Um, but it's just like, after it ends, you're like, I know the stark Contrast. actual mythology of this and it's terrible and it makes me feel so sad um but anyway welcome to sticks and bones if you're new here welcome back to season three if you're interested in learning more about hellenism ten and i are going to deep dive again this season onto certain aspects of it certain Mm -hmm. thoughts we do talk about how we modernize our own practices this is how we do it not everybody is going to look the same like we just said so if you like the way we do things or the way we practice um welcome hi Mm -hmm. we're here to help this is what we do we're here to teach make it a little bit more accessible we have so many fun things coming out for season three. Uh, Patreon, speaking mm-hmm. of Hellenism, if you're like, okay, I am also Hellenic. I worship the Greek gods. Ted and I have started um, Temple on our Patreon. So January 25th, we have our first one of this year coming up. We are going to be worshiping together Hades and Persephone. So we live stream it. Um, Ten will be streaming Persephone's altar. I will be streaming Hades, um, King Hades, Queen Persephone. And we use it as a moment to take a few questions. We show you how we leave offerings and we really use it as like a communal space for people to come and practice worship because we don't have temples like that anymore. So <laughs> we try yes. our best. Yes, absolutely. And of course we have some really great episodes up from season one and season two about, you know, how did the ancients view uh, Queen Persephone and King Hades and, you know, what have we done today to kind of modernize that? Because of course things are going to look a lot different, especially with uh, King Hades being the unseen one in the ancient day and time. But we also have some really cool things coming up on Patreon. Get to know Chelsea and 10 a little bit better this year. Um, we're also going to be touching some, you know, late night shower thoughts of what is the difference between witchcraft, magic, superstition, and more uh, not to kind of only have things about history and mythology, We're also getting back into our spooky, scary skeleton nonsense with some more paranormal stories, looking at haunted houses. Hell, we might even be going on our own little paranormal investigations this year. But so many fun things to come for Sticks and Bones 2024. I cannot believe that is a year right now. But until next time, stay spooky and stay curious. Bye. Bye.